At a time when many of life's little luxuries have been taken away or at least put on hold, our sponsor Ole is here to ensure we can all still indulge in some of the finer things in life. I am in love with their retinol collection. I have tried all the creams, lads, and I mean all of them. And this makes my skin feel Incredible, really glowy, really strong, really bright, which in winter is a tricksy old thing. With Ole, I can face anything. Seriously, anything. And there's a lot going on. Let's be honest. A warm cup of cacao, opening an unexpected gift. A bucket load of salty rimmed margaritas with my clan. There are a million things I'm thankful for today, but what is my guest thankful for? Honestly, the thing that has gotten me through all of, especially the last like 15, 20 years of my life, which has been very sort of chaotic in a way, has been my girlfriends. Welcome to Thanks A Million. I'm Angela Scanlon and this is the show that takes a sneaky look at my guests' gratitude list to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Today's guest studied drama in Dublin before travelling the world as a model walking for Chanel, Dolce & Gabbana, Givenchy and Louis Vuitton, among many, many others. She went on to become a Victoria's Secret model, casual, before jacking it all in to go back to her first love, acting. She's since starred in films such as Escape Plan and J.J. Abrams feature Super 8. Now she is Claire in the phenomenon that is Outlander, for which she's won a Scottish BAFTA, an IFTA, two People's Choice Awards and she's been Emmy nominated four times. It is, of course, Katrina Balfe. And yes, that is how you say it. Before we pop into the app, I'm going to share a couple of your Thanks A Million trios, which you've still been sharing with me on Instagram and I absolutely love them. Future You Now. Grateful for video calls to my best friend hundreds of miles away. Grateful for those little pudgy fingers of pure devotion curling into your hand, poking you in the eye, investigating your nostrils and reaching down your top. I hope you're talking about your kids. Grateful for the really awesome baking I did today with my gang. Now, this one is not a trio. This is a mammoth one from Kelly Crane. Grateful for my friends, long walks, exercise, my boys. My husband, who loves me no matter what. Grateful we can afford food and a warm house. Thank you for reminding us of what we can be grateful for, even when we have to dig deep. Jane, thank you for prompting me. I will always give you a little nudge on the old Instagram. I'm grateful for one, my oldest boy has beaten chicken pox. Yes, pies from the local bakery and our street for coming together and collecting for the local food bank. Love. Angela McLean. I'm grateful for my husband. He supports me so much while spinning so many of his own plates. I'm also grateful for my mum. She's so strong supporting and caring for my elderly granny. Family is so important. I'm blessed to have them. That's a nice one. As always, thank you for sharing your thanks a million trios. You can use the hashtag Thanks a million trio. You can get me at Angela Scanlon on Instagram, mostly, or Twitter, you know, if you're that way inclined. This conversation covers everything from working with Judy Dench to what it's like to get into the acting game. During lockdown, she started a book club on Instagram, which can be found at CB underscore book underscore club. And this episode was recorded a couple of days after the sad passing of her 17-year-old cat, Eddie. Here she is, my lovely new friend, Katrina Balfe. 
how are you doing generally? How are you finding the kind of enforced downtime at all? Because I imagine the last number of years has been pretty intense. Yeah, it's been up and down. I'm not going to lie. I am, you know, I I definitely, I'm the type of person that vacillates between being very social and needing a lot of people and then needing my own very quiet and, you know, hibernating downtime. But I, I love having that sort of flux between the two. And that's why I love filming so much because you, you know, you're you're on set and there's just so many people and then surrounded surrounded and it's like so social and like the the best thing every morning is like when you walk onto set and you get to say you know it's like you're saying hello to like 50 60 people and everyone you know and we've all worked together for so long so it's really special but you know then especially with this show we stay away a lot so I get like a couple of nights away by myself in hotels and like (laughs) I love that you know I just love that kind of like Early bath, room service. Yeah, don't have to say a word, see anybody. And so, and you know, me and my husband, it was quite strange because, you know, we've been together six years, but we've never spent this much time together. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah, yeah. part of that was amazing. And then part of it was like, why are you still here? <laughs> what are you doing? You know? And I think that's more pronounced for you, obviously, in your job because you're used to stints away. Yeah. But like I have so many friends with quote unquote normal jobs who are not used to seeing their spouses this much. Well, I don't think anybody is. <laughs> like it's not nor even if you really love them, it's they're still annoying. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that level of interaction on both sides is not natural really. No, and it was quite funny. We ended up getting into this routine where like he's amazing. He he'll make me coffee every morning. I'm so not a morning person, but like I I need my coffee and my space. But you know we have a upstairs and downstairs. So literally like from when we wake up to like midday, I would sort of take the downstairs and he would be upstairs, and then we would sort of flip <laughs> for another couple right. of hours, and then we'd come together in the evening. But yeah, I think everyone needs their little their little corner to sort of do their thing yeah. in. So like lots of reading, did you kind of take it as an extended holiday or were you trying to make yourself, you know, work on something? Yeah, well, you know, I did do, I I definitely did a lot of reading more for fun because there's a lot of, you know, a lot of the time now, you know, you're sort of being sent stuff and it's like, oh, this could be a cool project to Mm -hmm. try and get the rights to or this could be something. And so you end up reading a lot of material that sort of, has a protagonist who is a woman in her 30s. <laughs> okay. yeah. Um, yeah. You're like, and mm-hmm. yeah, and it was nice to sort of branch out. And I also I got I started this book club online, which that yes. was one of the most amazing things about this as well, because it was sort of, you know, and I, it's very ad hoc. And I, I am so like in admiration of people who are able to do these things and be like really organized and professional about it. But um, people have been very understanding. Um, but it was just really cool to have a little bit of something that you're doing in a community that has a goal and that you get to then share some time with people. And, and it's just mm-hmm. I think that kind of sense of community was really nice. You know. And accountability as well, isn't it? It's like, I, I mean, I start loads of books and I'm like, oh, oh there's a new shiny one. I'm going to start that. And it's the finishing of the things. So favorite book that you read? during this period 
On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. I think it's hard to beat that one. It's an American uh, Vietnamese writer called okay. Ocean Vuong. And it's just, it's really heartbreaking. It was, I mean, I also, I, everyone was like, yeah, you're doing a book club. And then I choose like all these really depressing, like, <laughs> really like not very fun books. And they were like, can we, can we maybe lighten it up a bit? But do you find that that's quite an Irish thing? I remember for a long time being asked, oh, you know, if I was in interviews, it's like, what's your favourite book? Emer McBride's A Girl is a half Form. Oh, pig. which is gorgeous. I read it on, it's amazing. Gorgeous but, like, book. I wept. Yeah. I would be in the car. I remember we were in France and Roy was just looking at me going, are you okay? We're on holidays. <laughs> we're Julie, Judy Bloom or something a bit escapist. But I love the cathartic. And I think, you know, as Celtic people, we we do, I, I think we're just naturally drawn to the sort of dark and yeah. morbid, but find a beauty in that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever is wrong with us, but that's sort of... You know, and and I think that's that's kind of the material I'm always drawn to. You know, I, I like yeah. to get into the nitty gritty of of I don't know, of, of what makes mm. life painful but beautiful at the same time, you know. What are you thankful for today? Oh, today, I mean, it was, you know, I am very thankful to be home. And um, I'm, and I think, you know, I, I, you obviously know I had to, I had to say goodbye to my lovely little cat yesterday. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful that I had 17 years with this awesome little being. Um, she was hilarious. She was a total diva. Um, and she was just so special and, you know, she spent, you know, she traveled around the world. She was totally cool. I, you know, obviously I travel a lot. So she had lots of surrogate moms, dads, and she was always, she just rolled with it. You know, she was always just such a cool little special being. So that's what I'm grateful for today. Where did you get her? So I got her in a deli in Brooklyn. Um, when I was living in Williamsburg, I, I wanted to get a cat. I tried to go the normal route and, uh, went to one of these pet stores. And because I was foreign, they were like, <laughs> you're not allowed one because you might move and leave her. And as a, you know, as if you would leave a cat if you moved. Um, and so uh, there was a deli on the corner and there was this lady who would always be on our street and I was walking home. I think it was like a day or two later and, she just called out to me. She was like, lady, lady, you want a kitty? And I was kind of like, well, actually, I, I do want a kitty. I'm not sure I'm going to take one from your coat right now. Yeah. But um, so I went into the she was like, you know, go into the deli and, and they, the cat there had kittens. So I went in and sure enough, went to the back room and they had all these kittens there. And I picked up one that was kind of white and gray. And then the matching one sat on my foot. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm not getting one kitty, I'm getting two. And that was Patsy and Eddie, my little Ab Fab gang. And Amazing. Yeah, and Patsy, he had a heart condition. So he passed away about eight, nine years ago. And Eddie's... Wow. Eddie just, yeah. 17. So, 17. I often, well, always when I remember 
send the questions over so that sometimes you can have a little look. You have been so conscientious <laughs> thinking about them. And I'm actually just looking at this because obviously you sent them earlier in the week. Yeah. And you said, today I'm thankful that I'm heading home for the first time in three months. I'm very excited to finally see my cat. I know. Oh. How, how long had you been apart? Uh, this time it was three months. I mean, she has been quite ill of late. And I mean, you know, it's quite funny. Like we had her, we had taken her to, there's a really amazing um, University of Glasgow veterinary hospital um, quite close to us. So we'd taken her there in uh, March when I got back okay. and <laughs> she saw the neurologist. <laughs> and, um, so they discovered... She's a showbiz cat. She is a showbiz cat. <laughs> um, and there was an amazing vet there and they did a bunch of tests. And so it turned out that she had Alzheimer's and she, which I didn't know cats could have. But um, she was also getting little mini seizures. But it was quite funny when she was in there because she was having these tremors in one of her legs and the vet came out and he was like this really lovely man. But he was like, you know, we've never seen this before in a cat. I mean, because this is the other thing. Anyone who has a cat will know when you bring your cat to the vet, all they do nine times out of 10 is like, well, you know, in dogs, if we could see this, you know, dogs will tell us they're in pain a lot more. Or when we see this in dogs, this means, but with a cat, we don't really know. Or with a cat, we can't give it any medication. Or with a cat. So cats seem to be like this really understudied or under understood okay. species in comparison to dogs and what they know about how to do things with dogs. But so this, the vet came out and he was like, you know, we've never seen this tremor before in cats. We've seen it in humans or in dogs. So, you know, I'm not saying we've discovered America, but this is really exciting. <laughs> it's kind of like, but is she like, going to be you. okay? <laughs> so, um, okay. so yeah, so she's, she's been, she's been up and down, but um, she had a bad seizure yesterday morning. So it was just, okay. you know, there's, I think there's always a line where you have to go. Is, is her quality of life going to be any better for any more intervention? And so I didn't think it would be, so. Yeah, but nice that you got to see her. Yes, very much you know. so. So what is the thank fuck for this? You know, I... I I think it's my job. I well, I know it's my job. I it took me a long time to sort of get to do what I love and always wanted to do. I mean, I've wanted to be an actor since I was three or four that I can remember. Um, and it took me a really long time to get there, and it was a very circuitous way that I took, but it just it's so good to be doing something that you love and it has brought me so much happiness since I finally figured things out um and yeah and I'm just so grateful that I get to do that so and so you say that you knew from earlier on were you like you know this stereotypical putting on little shows or you just had a clarity that you were like saw someone on tv and were like that's my gig I knew from really young I used to do impressions like I used to do a, Mar a Margaret Thatcher impression I don't know why <laughs> go on I, do you still do it I don't I don't know 
it was something it was like you know we are here today to talk I, I don't know it's like um but when I was like five I used to do that which is very odd Adorable. also from a girl from Monaghan why I was running around doing Margaret Thatcher's very but odd. you know that the family love that <laughs> Um, and so like, you know, I also grew up in the middle of nowhere and there wasn't a huge amount of stuff going on, but there was like mm-hmm. this small youth theater. Um, and I was part of that. And so I think I started there when I was about seven and that okay. was like, oh yeah, I want to do this, you know? Yeah. So, and then did you continue that in school? Cause I always think, you know, a lot of people would go, oh, I was in the, you know, my secondary school play, I pe- played, Peggy from what was that <laughs> Playboy of the Western World <laughs> and you're oh, like God, that's when I knew <laughs> um well we didn't have a huge amount of that in my school but we did do okay. two plays and one I was Diary of Anne Frank and I did I played Anne and then oh, the other wow. one was some I old I can't remember I was playing an old lady I don't even know what it was but we nice. didn't have a huge amount of that but I was in uh, this sort of there was a theatre group in Monaghan um, and, we, and we did pantos so I did a few pantos did um, you oh I my did. god I want to unearth those so god. like what 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 character did you play in panto so, so bad um well one year I was Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk um amazing and uh, and then I only remember two but I feel like there must have been more um and the other one was uh Beauty and the Beast and I remember myself and Deirdre were the candlestick and teapot. <laughs> I think I was a candlestick, so yeah. Terrible. I love that. But like committed. Yeah. I'm gonna go with yeah. <laughs> sure. No, I, but I, I think do it remember. was it was literally I, I tried to do whatever was available. You know, I yeah. Monaghan back then, we didn't have a huge amount of stuff going on. You know, it was yeah. the border towns and... Yeah, yeah. Um, different time. It was, it was a different time. But, uh, but, you know, I think the thing that it definitely showed me was that any, any chance to sort of do something in that realm, I just... I loved it and it was fun and... I loved the whole kind of camaraderie of like the kind of team and and all the group of actors and like we used to make the sets as well and you know I loved all that. Did you study that then in in college? Yeah so then I went to DIT. I went there right out of school and then towards the end of my first year there I got scouted um (laughs) packing bags in the Swan Shopping Centre for MS yeah and um and then they so I started modeling sort of part-time and then did full-time that summer and then I got offered to go to Paris and so second year drama school sort of didn't get to compete with going to Paris but I imagine if you'd been scouted and then you're off to Paris you're earning quite a bit of money second year yeah no no no. okay Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I always well, no. Immediately, I just think, oh, you're in Paris. You're like big time. No, I mean, in the beginning, I, I would actually come home to Dublin to do some 
terrible Irish modeling jobs to sort of make enough money to go back and yeah try to try to break yeah through in Paris I mean when I first went to Paris it was like the height of all the Brazilians okay and I obviously am not (laughs) Mm -hmm. like very pale um so it was like Giselle kind of time and um all of those girls yeah um Carolini and all yeah Mm. and so and they also like when I first got there they dyed my hair red and okay you know I just was not sort of part of that that crew and so uh, what they were were they trying to make you more Irish what was the red hair thing yeah okay they were like let's embrace this there's so many different aspects of it because you're supposed to just automatically be this like fun, interesting, like edgy person that like fashion people want to be around. But then at the same time, you have to be so skinny and so androgynous. And, and you know, it's just, you were constantly, there was always people doing better and constantly just being compared to people I guess Mm. um and I think as a young woman in your teens and 20s that's really really hard you know because you're hard enough it's hard enough anyway Mm. and you know there's so many times where you would go into castings or even fittings for jobs that you already supposedly had and somebody in the room would just be annihilating how you look or your lack of personality or you talk too much or yeah all in front of you and yeah. um yeah it's it's just it's tough it's really tough yeah. you know and i i have so much admiration for girls who can like come through that unscathed because mm. it's do you think that's possible um <laughs> knowing all of my friends who've come through it um i i think it's possible after some healing yeah okay <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. i i you know yeah. i i'm very lucky i still have quite a few really really close friends who who i met during that time and you know i think everybody goes through a really wobbly phase afterwards trying to sort of find their footing or find what their next step is because it's it, it in in one way it opens up so many doors and it does open your mind to so many things and it does give you an incredible education in a certain way but in another way it infantilizes you and it stunts you in so many other ways and i think you know it's it takes a while to sort of like rebalance all of that. I mean, there's been talk recently and i've seen a lot of people on instagram i think it was after emily rattick Kowski? I always say it wrong. And so she talked about, um, you know, ownership of particular images. But I saw people that I know who who were models in the industry for a very long time and who kind of talked about not knowing one person, themselves included, who kind of went through that without being at one point in like a pretty questionable position and as you say you're kind of a teen you're in Paris for the first time you're like thrown out there to go and do a test shoot with God knows who in God knows where and you know it's expected that you you turn up with a smile and you should be glad that he's even 
bothering to take his camera out for you. And you're supposed to be cool. You know, this is the word. And I think, you know, Emily talked about that in her in her essay where there's such a veneer of like, oh, everyone's so cool in this industry. And like, you know, we're all just hanging out and it's all, you know. And so that sort of like drilled into you from quite a young age about, you know, don't rock the boat, don't be uncool. Being uncool is defending yourself or questioning something or being stiff and not... Stiff or not taking your top off. Why wouldn't you take your top off? It's just tits. Come on. Like, just be cool. cool. Like, I can't tell you how many times that sort of situation happened. And, you know, I think it's... And, and you're also, you know, and I think I had, I was very lucky. I had some amazing bookers um, mm-hmm. and had some amazing agencies, but I also had some absolute shit agencies and okay. they are not, you know, they, they've been put in this or they've positioned themselves, I think, as, you know, they protect the girls, but because they've made themselves management companies, they also take zero responsibility. So all the girls are self-employed. And in fact, you know, in effect, they employ the agents. And so it's such a weird balance of power because the people that you are supposedly employing are the people who are the gateway to all the jobs. And they definitely dictate your earning power. But they also dictate everything, you know, and it's like the worst thing, I think, if you talk to any model used to be the days you would have to go into the agency and you walk in and literally everybody is scanning you head to toe. What are you wearing? Do you look cool? Are you um, thin enough? Are you, you know, going to the right places or dating the right kind of person? And it's just, yeah. uh, yeah. Anyway. So you're a commodity. (laughs) You're a commodity. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But it was also, parts of it were good. I don't want to just. Okay. And I imagine, um, you know, I mean, maybe it makes you grateful to be an actor. If you've, if you've, been, if you're an actor and you've never been a model, acting probably seems pretty harsh, you know. But actually, maybe you're like, this is a breeze. I Try modelling so. when I you're mean, a teenage I, girl. I really, I, I definitely, and I think it's been noticed actually before by people. You know, I think we have such people give models such a a, a really hard time, but you know, you work really, really hard and there's no protections. And when you go into acting, it's such a different, it's such a different thing. Like, first of all, you're asked your opinion all the time about everything. And you're like, wait, what? You want, you want to know what I think <laughs> like, or what I feel about this? Um, and, but it's also like, you have structure, you know, when your day is going to start and when it's going to end and you know, when your paycheck's going to come and you know how much that paycheck's going to be. And there is a contract and you are you have your own lawyer who discusses things with you and breaks everything down. Or when I see young actors who are like 18 and 19 and they're so self-possessed and like so mature and and handling their own business. And I, I really like I feel so like, oh, my God, that took me to my mid 30s to become like that. You know, I I definitely feel I had a very arrested development for quite a long time. What is the thanks that got away? Well, the thanks that got away, I I was 
yeah so i'll say it's it's this amazing woman and i don't know why it's gotten away because all i could really do is just send her an email but i'm so bloody bad at that um, this evening I'll, I'll do it i will do it um it's this amazing woman judith weston who i studied with in la um and she just turned everything around in my head i guess um okay you know i i had moved to la I'd sort of hit a point in my life where I was like, that's it. <laughs> if, I, if I don't try now, it's never going to happen and I'll regret okay. this for the rest of my life. And I moved to LA and I knew one person and I'd read about a different acting coach um, in an article, in a paper. And it was just basically like, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I'd found myself when I first got there in sort of these very typical LA acting classes which are slightly terrifying uh, so what what are they like because I li- have no idea of what that would feel like or well some of them the one that I ended up in wasn't actually bad at all like I learned a lot from it but the one thing about it is that it's all a bunch of out-of-work actors who have no idea how they're going to get their foot in the door and so there is this sort of like carpet of desperation (laughs) I was gonna say an air of desperation then I was like no that's too harsh no it's it's true it's it's there um which is I imagine quite like it's horrible and and, and, but it's also it feels a little bit futile like Mm. you're going to these classes and this is before I had management or an agent or anything so it's not like there's any real life application of anything you're learning. And I yeah. suppose it's all supposed to prepare you if you ever get a job, but okay. it doesn't. So you're just doing these like random scenes from things and, you know, and it's just yeah. like, it's, yeah, it, it, it was kind of, I sort of felt like I was, it was good in the sense that, you know, I, I did feel like I needed to sort of lose a lot of bad habits and mental shit from my years as a model and and it was good to have that time to sort of like peel away all of that stuff and and okay discover my love of acting again but it it also wasn't it wasn't really helpful in terms of like how do you actually go get a job and so I came across this woman's class and it was just this amazing workshop and she had this great space that she had created where it wasn't just an acting class. She had directors, writers, special effects people, anyone who wanted to be a director and anyone who wanted to be an actor. And she would get them all together. And she made anybody who was going to direct act. And then she would have us work in workshops with them. And so it was all people who were already working in the industry or were about to And it was just, it felt like, oh, so this is kind of what it would be like on a job. And then you're meeting people who you think usually you would have up on this pedestal. Okay. And they're in a learning environment as well. So it just demystified the whole thing. And I made so many amazing connections in that class. But it was also Judith and her approach to things and how she, because I think, you know, there's a thing of, having had been a model and then going to LA and you wanted to be an actor everyone that I did come in contact with sort of tried to push me into these like dolly bird roles the hot girl role the hot girl role yeah which there are so many women who are so much 
hotter innately than I could ever be after 17 hours in hair and makeup. You know, there's women I'm who sure. just walk in and have that thing and I'm just not that, you know. Um, and Judith was very much like, I remember she took me aside quite early on. She was like, you know, you're going to get the smart brunette girl roles. You just have to work and you just have to. And I was like, oh, okay. And it was the first time I think she just really yeah, just sort of gave me a belief in myself and that I could do it and pushed me to choose really interesting material and to put, to choose things that allowed myself to think I could do. I knew what I wanted to be doing, but I just didn't really have the confidence or the self-belief that I could. I suppose that's it. And she sort of gave me that. and And just her approach to acting was very... Like it was very much about, you know, there's there's so many different schools and I think sometimes it can get so wanky and, you know, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she just had a really work-based, but also psychology-based without it being, I don't know, too faffy. I don't know. It was just very solid. Yeah. What is your big thank you? And this is kind of like an inverted, maybe not inverted trust, but somebody who who had, you know, faith in you. Well, I, I don't know. My big thank you, I sort of was like, I thought about this and this is one of the things I, I emailed back about. I know. Because I, I was going to say a work thing. And then I was like, you know, honestly, the thing that has gotten me through all of my, especially the last like, 15, 20 years of my life, which has been very sort of chaotic in a way, has been my girlfriends. And I would be so lost without them. And I feel so, so grateful that I have so many really amazing ones that mean so much to me because, you know, I sort of alluded it to in the email, but I didn't always have that. And when I was growing up in my primary school, it was a real, there was so much bullying going on. And I, okay. I struggled with that for pretty much the entirety of my primary school. And, and when so, you say there was bullying going on, as in you were being bullied? Yeah, I, well, it was sort of like, I mean, I, can't, I grew up in this tiny place and there was a very small primary school and there was only like nine in my year or something. And stupidly, you know, when you look back on it, you're like, why didn't we just form our own little group? But there was sort of a group of three girls who were like the cool girls. And then there was the other four of us and they would sort of take turns on who they would bully. And stupidly, we didn't just gang together. I think there was that thing of needing to feel like you're in a in a group or you were you were chosen by the yeah yeah. and so when they sort of stop bullying you and decide to pick on someone else, I you know. I, I, it's one of the things that really like, I'm like, why, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's as a kid, that kind of like acceptance is pretty tough, but I, I definitely got quite a bad round of it for quite a, you know, quite a few years. Um, and so then, you know, when I, when I sort of went to secondary school and I, I made a great group of friends there, but then obviously traveling around the world, you know, I've just been so, yeah, it's, I think it's the thing that's sort of meant the most to me is like having these amazing girlfriends who yeah. through everything are, are sort of there for you. Mm. 
And I think it's that kind of, you know, intimacy. I always said, now it, it's not an, a word that's been reintroduced to me, but I always thought of intimacy as like, you know, a sexual sex. thing yeah. or a, a romantic thing. But actually, I think the intimacy of friendships is uh, and when you get that um, and like you say when you haven't always had that Mm -hmm. and you get that with somebody and that connection and that um trust and understanding it's like I think touching on a on a soul level isn't it for sure and it's just that and I think you know we we go through so many different phases in our lives and like there's so much stuff that you have to get through and try and understand and like what I love about especially my friends is that you know you can always go call them and be like look am I being (laughs) is this like am I being a brat about this or is this like normal or what like tell me like sort out my chatter in my head for me please you know and and it's um I don't know I I just feel so grateful and 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 now you know we're all going through these very different phases in our lives at the moment you know so many of my friends are becoming mothers and like Mm -hmm. so many of us have gotten married or you know and it's it's just amazing to see how we've all grown and you know it's it's changed from like going out and like yeah, who's around yeah. and who's cute and all that kind of rubbish yeah um and so now it's like these very kind of very solid and and very real big changes in our lives and, and it's kind of amazing gift that you are most grateful for oh well I I just had my birthday recently so I have been the recipient of this amazing gift from a group of fans who got together and they um raised 50,000 trees or basically they they donated to this one tree planted it's this amazing platform and so they they set out trying to get like because my birthday is on the 4th of the 10th so 410 trees was their initial goal and it just exploded. I know. And so it's like 50,000. But it's amazing. So this One Tree Planted, they, they're they in so many different countries across the world. And so their whole thing is that they try and plant indigenous trees. Because a lot of the time when people are replanting and they replant forests, and this is a big problem in Ireland, is they do these kind of like Douglas firs or they do one kind of tree, which doesn't really help in terms of keeping the ecosystem and biodiversity and all of that. So they they do a lot of work with that and it's going to be across the world. So that's pretty damn cool. I got a forest. I also love that the Outlander fans are so conscious. Oh, they're amazing. I mean, they are amazing. It's pretty, you know, I think with this show, it's very rare that you step into something that's kind of a phenomenon, you know, Mm. and it already was like these books existed for, you know, sort of decades before we started our show. Yeah. And then it's sort of just grown with the show and they are so invested and passionate and really conscious. And like, you know, Sam has an amazing charity um, called My Peak Challenge and I work with World Child Cancer and the work and the fundraising that they've done for both of those is just amazing. And it's just, yeah, I mean, big shout out, a big grateful and shout out to the fans. 
Yeah, it's lovely though. And because I remember being at the BAFTAs in Glasgow. And I mean, obviously that's home territory. But I mean, you could literally hear them in cars coming out. It was like, oh, oh. The Outlander gang are here. And I mean, they'd camped outside the hotel for days. Yeah. It's like, so at the the Golden Globes a couple of years ago, they had, you know, there's this whole thing where everybody has to drive up and it's like everyone's in line. And there was this insane group of Outlander fans who had this massive banner just on the driveway up. And I cannot tell you the amount of times like all of these random people would come up to me and be like, oh my God, you're the girl with all those crazy fans. That's amazing. I'd be like, uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> but it was just so sweet. It's, oh, they're amazing. Honestly, they've, they've just, they're really incredible. Okay, finally, your hashtag blessed moment with a wink. Uh, so hashtag blessed. Um, well, I recently got to work with um, Dame Judy Dench and I, mean. I can't quite believe it. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where... Like mind blown. Absolutely mind blown. I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Can you say what it was on? Oh yeah, so um, I just finished a film called Belfast, uh, okay. which is um, written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. Um, oh wow it's really beautiful I don't know how much I can say about the actual film but um I I play it's it's sort of based on his childhood in Belfast and I play uh his mom uh the lovely lovely Jamie Dornan plays his dad and then um Jane Judy Dench uh plays his granny and Kieran Hines plays granddad and it I was... also love that he's chosen hot parents. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, go on, Kenneth, your parents are delighted. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah, it's very funny. Oh, I mean, it was wow. just the whole thing was just so lovely. But I, there was one scene in particular where, and Kenneth's amazing to work with. He's just like the loveliest, loveliest guy. Um, and, you know, we would do a scene and sometimes he'd just ask you to just do a little improv. And... So I'm just sitting there improving with Judy Dench and it was just like half of your head is sort of in it and you're doing it. And then the other half is there like going, oh, my God, oh, my God, I can't believe this is actually happening. This is crazy. Oh, my God. So that is amazing. It's amazing. Also, Kieran Hind. Kieran Hind is the most darling man, the most amazing actor. Adore him. Yeah. What a cast. Wow. So when is that out? Um, I don't know, actually. That's I have no idea. I mean, I, who cares? Who cares? You can it just happens. wallow in the Judy, <laughs> yeah. Judy Dench moment for as long as you need to. Um, well, listen, it's been so gorgeous chatting to you. It's been so you. lovely chatting to you. Yeah. And thanks for taking the time. I know it's busy, busy, busy times. Um, so, yeah, thank you. Isn't she absolutely lovely? So much to digest there. Katrina is a patron of the World Child Cancer Charity. More info at worldchildcancer.org. As ever, if this has sparked some ideas about what you're thankful for, I would love to hear from you. So please do drop me a line using the hashtag thanksamillientrio. At Angela Scanlon is where you will find me via Instagram and Twitter. And go check out some of our brilliant guests so far. We've had Joe Lizett and Jamila Jamil. Roshin Connady is coming up. 
it's exciting. And if you're loving the show, don't make me grovel. Don't make me plead. It's not what I enjoy. Just write us a goddamn review, please, and keep it nice. Thank you, love you. Sorry if that sounded aggressive. Finally, thanks to my production team at Rethink Audio, and thank you to you, most of all, the listeners. We're the listener. It's just you and me, baby. Thanks a million. Side note, I have launched a newsletter because, you know, what else have I to be doing? You can go find it via my Instagram and I share things that I've been listening to and reading and watching, uh, some little recipes in there, loads of random shit really, but I think you're going to like it. 